0: you are locked on magic your daily podcast on the orlando magic part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: and you are indeed locked on magic today is march 14th 2018 happy pi day everyone my name is phil Reich. i'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. you can of course Follow me on Twitter at Philip RR underscore omd And uh, we did a couple of long episodes this week. Let's make this one a short one because, frankly, there is not a lot to talk about when it comes to Tuesday's game. We'll, t- we'll re- I'll recap very briefly the Orlando Magic's game against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, and then I'm going to talk about maybe a big-picture issue that I dance around, uh, but I think probably we need to talk about and come, if, for those of us who aren't there already, come to the sobering re- realization that we are at this point with a particular player. So find out who in just a moment. That's called a tease, boys and girls. But let's just rip off the Band-Aid, get it over with the Orlando Magic, finish up their nine-day, I think it was a nine-day five-game road trip or 10-day five-game road trip, winless with a disheartening and frustrating and in some respects embarrassing, certainly by the scoring margin, 36 point loss to the San Antonio Spurs, 108 to 72. As I've said a million times, the 30 point losses say more about the team that loses by 30 points than the team that wins by 30 points. The Spurs were obviously very determined to get a win. They had, uh, by their standards at least, an embarrassing defeat to the Houston Rockets the day before. They have fallen on hard times relatively for the Spurs. They are outside of the playoff picture in the Western Conference, outside that top eight group. So they knew they needed a win, and they knew that this was a Magic team that they could not afford to lose to. It is tough going in the Western Conference. A loss to the Magic is absolutely killer, and the Magic already got them once in October. The Spurs simply dominated this game from about the six-minute mark of the second of the first quarter to the very end of the game. They outscored Orlando 38-19 in the second quarter using a 19-2 run to blow open the game. As if that weren't bad enough, the Spurs used a 14-2 run to start the second half to make this game an absolute laugher. San Antonio led by as much as 42 points as Orlando could never solve. San Antonio's defense, eventually um, never really shooting better than 30% at any point in the game. I mean, Orlando was shooting in the 30s almost the entire game, struggling to get the ball moving, struggling to create good offense, and just struggling to do all the things that they need to do to win, especially undermanned. Aaron Gordon did not play, did not clear the concussion protocols in time. Uh, Evan Fournier also still out with sprained MCL. And so it was up to Nikola Vucevic and Jonathan Simmons, and both just had Absolutely terrible games. Again, there's just not a lot to say about this game in the positive. I, 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 There is one positive, and I will note that in a moment, but it was just a very, very bad game for Orlando. And to, to some extent, we should have seen this coming. Um, this, When the schedule came out and I looked at the schedule, I said, this game against the San Antonio Spurs was a schedule loss. It had schedule loss written all over it. I don't care that the Magic had two days off in San Antonio. To get their legs back under them. The last game of any road trip is always hard. Always. And this was the longest road trip that the Magic took all season. Five-game losing streak. They lost another two key players to injury. This one had loss written all over it. And it only got worse as, as this confluence of just bad energy for the Magic just came together with the Spurs. Ultimately. Uh, needing this win, and playing like a very focused and, you know, like a fully operational Death Star, as, as our good foul, uh, Jeff Garcia of Locked on Spurs, might put it. The Magic just were not going to be able to do very much this game. Uh, and I think while 36-point defeat is not, you can't merely chalk that up to a schedule loss, it's not merely that the Magic were tired and on a long road trip and looking forward to coming home. I think Wednesday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks is also a schedule loss. Um, a back-to-back to end a long road trip is insane. And I thought the NBA was going to get rid of some of these things. And I I, I mean, I remember even talking to some of the Magic staffers about, about the schedule back when it, the schedule still kind of mattered. And I was like, you know, I look at that long homestand and that first game, that first back-to-back coming home is really, really weird. And then they play Boston, who we all thought was going to be good. And then they'll get a little bit of a deep breath before playing Toronto next Tuesday. But... Just a just a weird scheduling quirk that the Magic are going to have to deal with, and obviously you can't do anything about the schedule. You got to play the games, uh, but this is not just a schedule loss. This is a team that's uh, that was undermanned uh, and unable to generate offense and solve the problem that is the San Antonio Spurs defense, which is, to their credit, very good. This is as much about the Magic playing poorly as it is the Spurs playing well. Because Orlando was right there with with San Antonio at the beginning of the game. It was a 24-18 game after the first quarter, and while Orlando's offense was very much stuck in the mud and and really struggling to get the ball moving, I thought the defense played really, really well. While Jonathan Isaac was in, at least he brought good energy defensively to begin the game, I thought he made some really nice rotations, and I thought Orlando was fighting defensively. What was really the problem? Is that Orlando got punched in the mouth and did never responded? And San Antonio was not in the mood to let Orlando back up and get a breath. So the Magic never really challenged in this game and fell 108 to 72 again. The final stats will reveal just how painful this one was.
0: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
1: And so let's dig into those final stats. San Antonio ends up shooting 47.6% from the floor, 9 for 19 from beyond the arc, 19 for 23 from the foul line. LaMarcus Aldridge with 24 points uh, on 11 for 17, shooting 25 minutes, 51 seconds, seven rebounds for him as well. Really all they needed. He was just dominant defend, dominant on the inside for, for the Spurs. The Spurs end up with seven blocked shots, two from Danny Green, two from Pal Gasol. Um, Orlando, when they did get to the basket, were not able to finish over over the length, over the over the contact there. Patty Mills, thirteen points. Deontay Murray, eleven. Tony Parker, ten. Paul Gasol, eleven. Danny Green, eleven. Just a balanced, typical Spurs effort. They broke the magic down and just did whatever they wanted with them. It was it was maybe not San Antonio's best game. Maybe I shouldn't have given them the A that I gave them in the grades. But generally, just beat Orlando down. And you can look at that in Orlando's stats. Let's go through those as I've delayed it far enough. Orlando shoots 28 for 82. That's 34.1% from the floor. 7 for 23 from beyond the arc, which is not great. Perfect 9 for 9 from the foul line, but um, only, you know, only 9 free throw attempts. Not going to get the job done when you need to get to the foul line, when you need to find easy points. Orlando turns the ball over 20 times. I repeat that 20 times. As they got frustrated, especially in the second half, trying to create and force things to get back into the game, that did not work, obviously, uh, as Orlando only fell further into the hole trying to, to, to create something out of this game. Now, your leading score for the game, and this is not a typo, it's Nikola Vucevic and Jonathan Simmons, that part you expect. This is not a mistake nor a typo. They led the team in scoring with 10 points. I cannot recall the last time Uh, The Magic were led in scoring by so few points. Nikola Vucevic, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 5 for 14 shooting, 4 turnovers on the game. Jonathan Simmons in his first regular season game back in San Antonio, 10 points, 3 for 13 shooting. Neither were able to get into much of a rhythm, and of course, with Orlando down, Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon, the Magic need both of those guys to play really well, as they did against the Clippers on Saturday when the Magic really had a chance to win that game. Of course, they, they weren't, weren't able to pull that off as they're now on a five-game losing streak, having dropped all five games on this West Coast trip. Orlando just let go of the rope. There's no other way to describe it. I thought Vucevic was very passive, especially early on. Um, when the Magic needed him to maybe force some action or, or keep the ball moving, Orlando instead went to a lot of post-up isos and, and the Spurs just feasted on them. He wasn't able to hit his jumpers early. That put the Magic in a hole offensively, and by the time Vucevic started getting his numbers, the game was over. A lot of it came in the second half. Jonathan Simmons, I think, I think he was generally trying to do the right things, took some good shots, um, but this is kind of who Jonathan Simmons is too. He'll you know, we we know that he can have these big games. We know that he can he can put up a lot, of, a lot of points when you give him the ball. But ultimately, we also know that he's not supposed to be that number one guy. He's not supposed to be the guy that you give the ball to against the other team's best best players. And the Spurs locked them down. They knew how to beat him, and they, and they beat him. Um, his shot's going to come and go. And it was not there tonight, and that hurt him in the end, too, and hurt the Magic as well. Really no good performances from anyone on the Magic. DJ Augustine had 9.6 assists. Six of the Magic's sixteen assists actually, three for seven shooting. I guess that's okay. Shelvin Mack had seven points, three for nine shooting. Mario Ozone uh, had four points on two for seven shooting with six rebounds and three assists. An okay game for him, I suppose. Um, Aaron Afallo looked good. I guess seven points, three for six. As he got a third quarter run uh, with the Magic, just trying to uh, with the Magic trying to get Jonathan Simmons some rest with thinking ahead to Wednesday's game, uh, but. You know, Does that really mean anything? I, I guess the only positive I can say from this game is that Jonathan Isaac continues to look very, very good, and at least in the first quarter, in his first quarter stint, in the first half stint, he looked as aggressive offensively as he's been all year long, or at least since returning from injury. Seven points, three for five shooting, one for two from beyond the arc, five rebounds, three turnovers for him as well, uh, but... Um, a lot of that came in the second half as he was trying to force a little bit more San Antonio's defense was just just on today uh, or on in this game. Um, Isaac continues to be a standout defensively he'll, he'll make rookie mistakes. you can see him making some rookie mistakes. um he'll be a little bit late sometimes he'll commit fouls so what we can live with that defensively, he continues to get a lot of deflections. He continues to make a lot of the hustle plays that the Magic need him to make. He recovers really well when he does uh, When he does make a little bit of a mistake or when he does get beat, uh, and he harasses teams. like they, They're going to have to scout him defensively pretty soon. It's very, very clear. And once those minute restrictions go up, when he can start playing 30 minutes a game, he needs to be in the starting lineup, period, full stop. He is that good and that much of an impact defensively. Uh, and besides the fact that the Magic need to play him as much as possible the rest of the season, especially with Aaron Gordon when the time comes. And who knows, that could be could be Wednesday, it could be Friday with, with Aaron Gordon. But Isaac is playing some phenomenal basketball, um, playing, playing really as well as we could expect him to play considering the time he's missed. He's beginning to assert himself more offensively, which I think is a good sign. Um, thought he did really, really good things and was really the only player that stood out to me in a positive way. In the game on Tuesday, now he turned the ball over as he was trying to force things, as everyone was trying to force things. Um, but that's all I can complain about with Isaac's game. He's he's been very very good, and you know I, I tweeted this very early on in the game when it still when the game still was kind of up in the bal- in the air. It's nice to be irrationally excited about a rookie. Um, just just the way that the season has gone, um, having Isaac play at this high of a level is a very positive sign for the team, and so hopefully.
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Like I said, there's not a lot to take away from Tuesday's game against the Spurs. It's the kind of game that you can chalk it up to a schedule loss. I plan to, um, although the 36-point margin is certainly not all on the schedule, Um, but it, it, blowouts like that, it they have. I mean, the blowouts like this do not happen. But it's become a way of life for the Magic. I mean, they had plenty of them last year, and it, you know, a loss like this makes you think about the big picture. And, and I just filed my mailbag on Monday. You can check that out on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I interact with a lot of fans who who talk about the big picture a lot and talk about the future. And you know, I. I talk to a lot of people. You can follow me, of course, at omagicdaily Daily and at Philip R underscore OMD to continue this conversation. And you know, I've formulated some theories and ideas about where I think this team's going to go uh, in the next in the next year, and and figuring out what happens next for the Orlando Magic. And inevitably, I come to one undoubted conclusion: the one thing that I would even say has to happen this summer. And I think it was abundantly clear really the last three games with Aaron Gordon and Evan Forney out. The last six years, one player has been, been the constant. And the last six years are not all on Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not one to pile on Nikola Vucevic. I think we all understand his flaws and his limitations. But watching him play the last three games with this opportunity, essentially, to go out and show that you belong on this team. Like, let's, let's be real. This is, this is a year that Jeff Waltman said the Magic are going to evaluate everything. This is a year for each player having to prove that they belong on the Orlando Magic, that they are part of this team's future. And yet, with that opportunity, unlike in December when when he had this opportunity and he played perhaps his best basketball of his career, with that opportunity, the Magic's best remaining player has seemingly disappeared. Nikola Vucevic is a very skilled player. Let's, let's, let's get that out of the way. I, I, think, I think there's a little bit of a tendency to say you're either the greatest player or you're the worst player. Nikola Vucevic is an NBA player. He's a very useful NBA player, and he is a starter caliber player. He's got starter talent. The numbers he puts up for the Magic are not a fluke. He would do that for just about any team. Now, perhaps the Magic ask him to do a little too much or have him in a bigger role than he would for another team. But he can put up those numbers. If you need him to start, he will start and he will be effective. The question with Nikola Vucevic has always been, can he be a starter for a winning team? I think it's clear he's not a number one option. I think it's clear he's not an all-star. I think it's clear that there are limits to his game. No matter how much he improves defensively with his technique... He's is just not ever going to be a good defender. Last year, I think we would say he was probably his best defensively. He gave up 61.9% shooting at the rim. This year, I thought, I thought he improved defensively this year. He's given up 65% shooting at the rim. He's never going to be a rim protector. And in this NBA, in this this NBA world we exist in, that feels like it's an absolute necessity if you're going to compete for anything serious. You need someone who's going to deter drives and keep teams to shooting in the mid-range. Nikola Vucevic does not do that. He's very poor in the pick and roll, um, and he's, he's inconsistent at best at even contesting at the rim, effectively. We all know this. We've watched Nikola Vucevic play for five years now. But now more than ever, it feels like the writing is on the wall, and that his tenure with the Magic is quickly coming to a close. That these are his last games. It's not for his lack of trying. I think he's always tried. I think. I think honestly, I think no player bleeds for this Magic team more than Nikola Vucevic. And if anybody on that roster deserves to be here when the Magic finally make the playoffs, I think it's Nikola Vucevic. I true. I, I. I mean. I truly believe this. He wants this Magic team to succeed more than anyone else. And he is as disappointed in himself and in, and in the team that they weren't able to get over the hump. And while I, I feel that is very genuine on his part, and he's, he's said things to that effect before, and I feel it's very genuine on his part, but ego can also blind a little bit. And it's not that Nikola Vucevic is some egotistical guy. I think he is a team-first guy, and I think that's part of his problem in some respect in Tuesday's game against the Spurs the Magic went to him again and again and again and he was unable to lift the level of his team's play the fact that so many of these games like Tuesday nights have happened on his watch not again not entirely on him but they've happened enough and you ask yourself well what what can Nikola Vucevic do to prevent that so while he's a great complimentary player, while his ability to make three-pointers now, shooting about 33% from beyond the arc, was a big reason why the team got out to such a hot start. And while he will put up numbers, he can score with the best of them. It's getting to the point where his defensive shortcomings outweigh, if they maybe they always have, outweigh whatever offense he produces. Especially on a night like this, when the Magic needed him to come up big. They needed that the last three games. And Saturday he played better, but it took him a while to get going. It feels like the limits that this team puts on itself because of Nikola Vucevic need to be released. That's not to say Bismack Biombo is a better option. Nikola Vucevic, the Magic are better defensively with Vucevic on the floor, even when Biombo is the starter. The Magic have about a 114 defensive rating with Biombo as a starter. Nikola Vucevic, when the Mag, when Nikola Vucevic is on the floor, the Magic are at about a 107 or 108 defensive rating. It's not good at all. And again, that's not all on Vucevic. But the winds of change are here. We know this offseason, the Magic need to move on. The Magic need to start reshaping and remaking this roster. And Vucevic will be entering the last year of his contract. Surely someone will find some value in that, in an expiring deal of a player who can be productive in a bench role or a starting role. And at this point, it's not about sentimentality. Fuchs is one of the nicest guys uh, that I've met. And again, I think he bleeds magic blue. And I hope he always will. And I hope, you know... People are going to look back at this era and it's going to be defined as the Vucevic era because he was the one guy that was here the entire time. But it's also clear that Orlando is at a crossroads. That this team, that this franchise has to be willing to make a, maybe a tough decision, but a sacrifice of some sort. That they need to flip over the score. That they need to find a way to make things different. And to me, when I begin preparing for the summer, preparing for this offseason, that starts with Nikola Vucevic. Until he proves otherwise. And maybe not even then. It's been Five years, five, six years now with Vucevic. He's improved tremendously. He is the Magic's, again, he will define this era for better, for better and for worse. He produces, he scores, but that's not enough. And that's why I think the Magic have to move on and have to make it a priority to move on this offseason. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Like I said, we don't want to talk very long about this game. So we'll move on to Wednesday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. That'll tip off 7 o'clock at the Amway Center. Be sure to check that out. You can find it on Fox Sports Florida if you can't make it to the Amway Center or on NBA League Pass if you're outside of the Central and North Florida area. You can, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at underscore omd That's going to do it for me today. Tomorrow, I'll have a complete recap of the Magic's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Reich. I will see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic.
0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day.